Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Way In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, and of course, I'm joined with co-host Trey Patterson tonight. And I know this is not our usual Wednesday night, but we could not cancel this week. But the game's on schedule for this week on in the NFL and in college. So thanks for joining us on this special Thursday night edition. Trey, I mean, I just even though I'm out of town, I couldn't cancel this show. This is how big it is this weekend. Well, and we, you know, you and I were talking off the air. You could have, you know, what some have argued is the biggest college football game of the year right now. I think SEC uh, fans would say that's not true. I think it's arguable. Um, but it's a big football game for sure coming up in college. I mean, this is there's no doubt about it. Uh, three versus five is a big game, Tarvin. Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell the SEC fans out there the reason why right now that this is a bigger game is it's, it's – Later in the season right now, I mean, if Clemson loses this game, they're done. If Florida State loses, they're done out of the national championship race, in my opinion. Where A&M and Bama, they played so early in the season that Alabama could have lost, as you've seen in years past, and still go on and play. And A&M could still control their own destiny in a way and get some little help. They could still possibly play in a championship game. But, Trey, I think Clemson-Florida State to date is the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with logic, you know, what you're you're putting out there, especially as an SEC guy yourself saying that, because it has a lot of credibility to it. And, you know, another thing, Tarvin, is you got to think about it. You're right, man. Number three, number versus number five, if either one of these teams lose or done, the ACC has taken steps forward, but they're still not on a level that the SEC is. And I don't, I don't know if any one-loss team, I mean, it's hard to say, Tarvin. We thought this last year, you and I were talking about on the show, you had four unbeatens going down the stretch. All of their schedules looked pretty easy. Uh, you know, it looked like the SEC was going to get left out, and we were going to have a Kansas State, you know, versus whoever. And then they all lost. And, you know, there we go. We, you know, we get Alabama versus Notre Dame last year. And, you know, we saw how that turned out for Notre Dame. So, you know, there's a lot of football left to be played, Tarvin. But, again, we're kind of in the same situation we were last year where they were just wondering, how many of these teams are going to make it to be undefeated? And if they do, you know, does college sort of implode because of the possibilities of some undefeated pretty good football team getting left out? But, you know, we get to mark one of those undefeateds off this weekend, Tarvin. Yeah, but this could be the year the SEC loses it. I mean, or not loses it, but, I mean, they could lose it, but they might not even play for it. That's how some weak some of these schedules are, and, it's going to be hard for somebody to, to jump an undefeated Ohio State, Trey. I mean, that's just the way it is. And the the name Ohio State still carries some credibility. They haven't lost in two years. So these teams better be careful. And I think this is the biggest game because there's so much pressure on both sides. I mean, this is this matchup has everything you want in it. And I'm so excited to get through the Auburn A&M game Saturday, get that off the schedule finally and move on to this one because the winner of this game, I mean, I can really see Clemson beating South Carolina at the end of the season. I could see Florida State beating Florida. So, well, Miami's a sneaky team in there, but you never know what can happen on a Saturday, and it's going to be the best game of the year. And, and Trey, let's stay on college football just a second, and I want to let everybody know if you'd like to call in and, and let us know what you think about the biggest game of the year, what it was, what it is, 646-716-5564. Would love to hear from you. We're gonna we're gonna go through some information fast tonight, so 
So if you have any questions, make sure you join the chat room or call in for us. The trade, the selection committee was named yesterday at college football. Next year it starts. So we have 13 mm-hmm. panelists, looks like, deciding who's going to be playing in the playoff game. Give us your thoughts on the initial list you saw and, I mean, any thoughts about it. Yeah, you know, going through the list, and if you hear talk radio, I, mean, I was listening to, you know, some of this today, and, you know, I heard all about, um, you know, the, the big, I mean, really the only person I've heard a lot of criticism on, Pat Dye, of course, as you know, former Auburn, Auburn football coach, came out pretty strongly against Condoleezza Rice and, you know, said that she has, you know, I heard, I've heard people on talk radio saying that, you know, she doesn't know anything about football, yada, yada. You know, Tarvin, I am pretty happy with the 13 people selected. I mean, honestly, if I, is it the, the 13 that I would have picked if I had my you know, blank slate? Not necessarily, but it's hard to argue with the credentials of all 13, and I'm including Condi Rice. I'm a big fan of putting people like her on this committee, bring in a little diversity, a little different perspective. Uh, people yeah. who can look at this game and look at these the matchups and see bigger implications. I mean, let's be honest about this. I mean, we're talking about a person who is helping run this country uh, from some of the largest and most intense and complicated issues that have faced our, our country and, and having to deal with those and, and having to worry about human lives, uh, Americans. And then we talk about that she can't do college football target. I mean, get out of here. I mean, that is ridiculous. I mean, this is a, a very talented and smart woman who, if she can lead, help lead our country, I mean, she can, she can be one of 13 people picking four teams to play for a football game. Yeah, I mean, these people that are talking about her being a woman and, and Pat Dye saying she never had her hands in the dirt, get out of here. Pat Dye's saying that because he's old school. He he played for Bear and, and all this stuff, coached with him, I guess, and and you start looking at this stuff. Condoleezza Rice is probably the, one of the smartest people in the world, man. She's She's been under a lot of pressure. She knows how to analyze stuff. My only concern is, Trey, how much football is this committee going to watch? That's what I want to see. I mean, are they going to commit to every weekend to being football junkies? Are they going to be able to DVR all the games and watch them record them? And you can't watch every game. I mean, but you watch the ones that matter. So if you see the polls come out, and these are big matchups. You have to be able to watch these games, especially against ranked opponents, to see how they how they look. And Trey, that's my concern. I, I don't really have any problem with a bias. Alvarez, he's a he's a Big Ten person. So's Osborne now, but I do really think that these guys can be unbiased and and pick a team. Plus, they said they're not going to be allowed to pick any team that they're associated with. So Condoleezza Rice, Trey, I wouldn't have any problem with her picking no matter who it was. Well, and, you know, another thing you brought up about bias, and I heard a lot of talk about, you know, they're afraid of bias and all this kind of stuff. I mean, are we, are we really afraid? Point. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, am I afraid that there's going to be a little bias toward Wisconsin? I'm not. I mean, does Barry <laughs> Alvarez, I mean, I mean, think about, I mean, the SEC rolls tight, let's be honest. I mean, the SEC, you have people who root for the conference almost as much as they do their team, but is there much a lot, is it the same thing going on in the Big Ten and the in the Pac-12, I, you know, maybe I don't know, Tarvin, but it's just not something that, you know, I'm not an SEC conspiracy, you know, but I think that you're going to have a lot of SEC teams in this thing as long as they're still good, and I'm not going to have an issue with that, and I'm not an SEC guy. If they're the best teams, let's put them in there, and I, I think that you're going to have that because when this happens, all this talk about this committee, 
when we get to those football games, Tarvin, it's going to be the most exciting thing we've seen in college football because we're going to have four premier football teams playing for that one crystal, you know, that one crystal ball, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And, and maybe, there, maybe there's a fifth team, Tarvin, who wants to argue for it, but guess what? We're going to forget about that as soon as that game starts uh, and we get to see, you know, four teams, you know, actually playing in the playoffs. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Well, well, think about it, Trey. Name the season if you can. There's not been a couple where you would have any problem picking four teams. Really, I mean, you. I don't think you're gonna have problems by the end of the season once it's all said and done, knowing who the top four teams are. And I think people, I think four drunks in a bar could pick this pick these teams almost right. I mean, you, you look at it, Trey. It's not that hard to pick the four best teams in college football if you have an IQ, and that's leaving the bias aside. And Paul Ewing says in the chat room, his question about Barry Alvarez would be, does he have the ability to pick a 13-0 Alabama over a 13-0 Wisconsin without blinking an eye? I mean, that's a good question, and I, I don't think he'd be able to pick that. Well, I mean, you know, in a vacuum, it's hard to say that question. You know, we don't know what schedules they played. But, Torben, I mean, do you really think there's going to be two 13-0 teams who are 3-4 and four in this discussion? Or are we talking about, you know, Somebody feeling slighted, they got the second seed over the third seed. I mean, that's 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 not to me. That's not an issue. You're not. I don't think. I mean, how many times over the past ten years, Tarvin had we had four undefeated teams? I don't. It's not happened. So I mean, no, I, I mean, we see not be in a scenario. It's going to be a one loss team who are trying to lick their wounds and say they should be the fourth seed. And, and you know, you lose. I mean, you you have to understand that you might not be in there, and that's just the way it goes. Well, my my issue with with the way they're doing this, Trey, is strength of schedule. I like that they're rewarding strength of schedule. So if you've lost a game or two, and you have the number one schedule in the country, and you're going up against a Louisville team or something, then they're probably going to look at you a little more serious. So you got a better chance yeah. to get in if you have a tougher schedule. But my problem is, you, one of the main criteria is you have to win your conference. So that bothers me a little because the bottom line in this is to get the four best teams in college football, not the four conference champions in football. So I do have an issue, Trey, because you could have a one-loss SEC team get left out because an undefeated Louisville is in there with a weak schedule. You have a, a big or a Big Ten team that maybe ran the table. and I could see that could be an issue. Yeah, I think it's a criteria. And, we, and we know, the thing that I think a lot of people are jumping the gun on is they're worried how, you know, oh, my God, they haven't even announced all of the criteria that they're going to look at. And so, yeah, I think there's going to be some considerations for conference champions. But, you know, and legitimately there there should be in some conferences. I mean, you, you certainly um, are going to have some issues with one-loss teams, uh, and there could be some debate. I, you know, here's the thing. I don't, I don't think in a major conference an undefeated team is going to have um, – the ability to run the table and, and really say, um, be looking at the fourth slot. I mean, you, you, an undefeated Ohio State last year would have been, and so we're not even talking about a four at that point. Because you know you have Alabama, Notre Dame, who are probably easily one and two, uh, even if Ohio State's not on probation. You know their strength of schedule last year was so bad, but they still get in easily as a three even last year. And so, you know, the debate would have come down to is which one of those number of one-loss teams would have got the four spot. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to work itself out. 
and, and I think let's don't argue with it and, and judge it until we actually see it. But one thing I want to see, Trey, and you tell me what you think, I want to see each week, once they start meeting and everything, I want to see each person's vote. So I want to see Condoleezza Rice's top 10 or whatever, top 25. I want to see everyone's. I don't want to just see the committee's top 25. I want to see everyone's, Trey. Yeah, that's the one thing. I've, I think that's an honest knock. I've seen that. I don't know if they're, what the thought is of them doing that. I've heard um, I've heard that, you know, they may not do that. So, uh, but, you know, there is going to be, and what I do like is there's going to be a release, kind of like the BCS, at the end of the season they're going to start putting out uh, the conglomerate of all their votes, and we're going to start seeing, you know, how the things rack and stack. Uh, which I like that. I like, you know, when the BCS comes out, it is kind of exciting to see, you know, who might be playing and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, you're talking about the same kind of thing for this. I'll tell you, I heard, uh, I've heard a lot of things about computers, Harvey, and I do want to just address the computer issue. People are like, oh, you know, you don't have biases in computers and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that, that, that's people who just don't understand the BCS. They don't understand the Harris poll. They don't understand. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, you and I, we, we tweet from our account some of these ridiculous polls and how they have rankings. There was two of them that would go into the BCS. Uh, they had Missouri number two in the country right now. And, you know, you look at some of these, had Louisville up real high over Alabama and just ridiculous stuff. And this is the computers that some of these, you know, ridiculous idiots are talking about and, like, saying, hey, you know, there's no bias to it. Yeah, but these computers are just, I mean, just because there's no bias, Tarvin, doesn't mean that the algorithm that was used equates to a very good result. Yeah. Do you remember a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, Auburn was the number, before they lost to LSU, going into the LSU game, Auburn was the number one team in the computers and some of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, really? I've watched Auburn. They're not the best team in the country, but you're right. I mean, if you don't have Alabama – in number one or two, then you're not watching football this year probably. I mean, that's just the way it is. Oregon, if you're not, you don't have them one or two, you're not watching football. These polls, you're right, they're going to be gone, right, Trey? These Harris polls and all of these guys, they're going to be gone. And now it's going to be this committee being able to piece it together. And let me tell you, Condoleezza Rice's dad was a football coach. And you don't think she watched a lot of film when she was a kid and listened yeah. to her dad talk about what made teams great? And, I mean, there's some Archie Manning. I mean, I trust his opinion, don't you, Trey? I think he can make an unbiased opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about, like, biases. I mean, is Archie Manning going to lean to the SEC? Probably a little bit. But, you know, do I think that Archie Manning is going to legitimately look at every team and and look at strength of schedule? I think he's just as qualified as a lot of folks are. You know, I mean, what we've seen, I think, to be honest, is a lot of bitterness of people who really wanted to be on the committee. You know, when when I look at Pat Dyess' comment, I look at somebody who's just who just wanted to be there. You know, he wanted to coach this committee, and, you know, that's dangerous in and of itself. But, you know, so, I mean, I agree with you, Carvin. I think this is exciting. I don't have a problem with these committee members. You and I are, seem to be on the same page with this. And I'm glad that we can do away with all these, these computer systems that some, some guy in, in, you know, his mom's basement eating some Cheetos, <laughs> you know, has come up with and has become a part of how we decide who plays in this one game. You know, now we have 13 respected people uh, who are going to make an informed decision. And they don't have to all break down film. <laughs> That's what got me about a lot of this stuff. They're like, oh, well, you know, is Condi Rice going to be breaking down game film? Well, she doesn't have to worry about, like, an offensive tackle and how he moves his feet and whether he's susceptible to a swim move on third down. I mean, she's not breaking down film in that way. She can watch a game and say, hey, you know, this team looks pretty darn good. They look pretty good against, you know, week to week, that kind of stuff. 
So the rest of this talk is just just that talk, Tarvin. It's just talk. Well, you know the BCS, and I don't have too much of a problem with it, but, you know, it's meant to get number one versus number two. But if you notice, and I can't remember which year it was, one team, it came out after the bowls were announced and picked and everything that they messed up, and it, it would have gotten someone else into a bowl game. So I think there's some bias and, and some, you know, money. If, if, so, if so, Michigan, if they would benefit, if this bowl would benefit from Michigan being up and it's borderline, how do you know they're not cheating and moving Michigan up to make more money for the bowl? And then all of a sudden it comes out that, whoops, there was a miscalculation. Well, there's not going to be a miscalculation with these people. They're going to come out and they're going to say their teams, and, and that's going to be it. And I think we'll be happy with it. At the end of the day, the number five team, you can't really complain too much. I mean, if you're not up in the yeah. top, it doesn't, really, it doesn't really matter. But I'm interested to see, man. I, I think this was created. When this initially came out, Trey, I thought it was created to keep the SEC, to keep two SEC teams out of this playoff. And it's going to be hard. I, I just don't see two SEC teams making it again. I could be wrong, but tonight on this show, I'm going to tell you, I think this was created to make sure that the LSU-Alabama fiasco never happens again. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think what it's meant to do is, you know, I think, you know, I'm one of those people that, that think that matchup shouldn't have happened um, just because I don't think that – I think there were there were teams out there. I think the argument of the one-loss teams at that point, I, I just found greater arguments than the matchup we ended up seeing um, for other teams to play. And since we've already seen those teams play, there's already a decision and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot of rationale for that game. Uh, but, I mean, I think we would have probably seen uh, Alabama and LSU in the four games if we had a four-game series. But you know, whether they were one versus two, I think that's that's a different debate. But, you know, Tarver, I think you're still going to see. I, I disagree with you. I, I think that if the, the SEC is as strong as it is today, uh, you know, we're going to see two uh, SEC teams in this thing as long as there's not four undefeated. I think that's what it would take to keep, you know, one lost SEC team out of that fourth spot. Yeah, I mean, I hope you're right. I hope it's it's used in the right way. And I, I think this is a chance for this they them to do this, them to hit a home run with this, Trey. I think this is an opportunity for this panel to hit a home run and show what it's about. You want the four best teams? Well, here they are. And at the end of the day, if they do it right, nobody's going to have, not many people are going to have too much of a problem with it. So we'll see where this goes and, and stay in college football just a second, Trey. Breaking news, and I need to know what you think about it. Oregon's going to wear pink helmets this weekend against Washington State. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, another jersey, another different combination. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> well, you know, in this case, you know, I think it's a good idea. They're doing it for breast cancer awareness. You know, everybody knows You know, we're all wearing pink right now uh, in football and in, you know, a lot of people in their regular lives as well. You know, so to support this great cause, you know, this university is going all out for it, and you got to sort of commend that. Uh, but, Chris Harvin, just before we move on, uh, you know, I wanted to give uh, our number out one more time just in case anybody else had uh, listened to what we were talking about with this college football committee, uh, the playoffs, and that kind of stuff, and they wanted to just call in and weigh in on us, uh, 646-716-5564. Give us a call. Tell us what you think, Tarvin, because I think uh, right now you and I are on the same page, and there's got to be somebody who disagrees with us, man. That, that never happens. I'm trying to get Pat Dye to call in tonight and have Condoleezza <laughs> Rice and Pat Dye debating, but I don't, want think, I don't want people to think bad of Pat Dye for thinking that. I mean, he's just old school, Trey, and he's just it's just the way he is. You're not going to change an old man's mind about this. 
he, he sees football in his vision, and it hasn't changed since he was young. So his view of college football is the same as it was 30 years ago. So I just, I just don't want people to be mad at Pat Dye and think he's a, a bigot or something because he thinks that way, Trey. I just wanted to clear that up real quick. And So let's move on real quick to the NFL. I mean, you picked five great games, and we'll talk some baseball at the end if we have some time. Um, Trey, you want to get us started? Yeah, man, we'll talk about, you know, we, we picked five NFL games this week. I'll be honest, it, it was not the same as we last week. There was, you know, sort of five hard games to pick. Uh, in this case, what I've tried to, to go off of, and I'm looking at the first game, Tarvin, I got the three and three Rams. They're facing uh, the Panthers at home. And the reason I put this on here is this is kind of a make-or-break time. Cam Newton has been, you know, he turned the ball over four times week before. week. He was amazing. You have uh, the Panthers, who a lot of people I'm looking at, and I'm hearing some stuff about how they may have turned a corner last week, and people think that, you know, the talent they have on this roster is good enough to win this year and get them into the playoffs, and that's even being two and three right now. So, Tarvin, what do you think? I mean, are people you know, getting on a bandwagon for the Panthers a little early, or, or, you know, the Rams came off an impressive win? What do you think? Well, I mean, the bandwagon, I mean, I wasn't before the season, but I wanted to see them come out of the gates a little faster, the way they lost to Buffalo, the way they lost to Arizona. I understand you losing to Seattle. I mean, they're probably one of the best teams in football, so I can forgive that one. But I need to see some consistency out of this team. They played, like you said, Cam Newton played great this week. Uh, The week before he didn't, the week before that he did. I mean, which Cam Newton is going to step up this weekend? That's the key to their victory. I think the Rams are a team that's dangerous. They can sneak up on you. But I think Carolina being at home, if they have turned a corner, they're going to have to win this game and win it convincingly. I just want to see Cam Newton being able to run the football. I want the offensive coordinator to be able to call the right plays and utilize his legs. He's not going to get hurt. He's a beast. So I like the Carolina defense, Trey. That's one thing I'm sold on. Being at home, I think the defense is good enough to hold the Rams down, and I think Cam Newton makes a few plays with his legs, and all of a sudden they got a two-touchdown win. So I like Carolina by two touchdowns this game. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at this, and you know you, know you picked an interesting game if the chat room's already against each other. You know, Paul says the Rams are going to lose into the Panthers in a yawn. He says this is going to be boring. And then Jason, you know, Humphrey came back and said, no, Rams are going to win this game. So, you know, you're saying Carolina easy. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. And you look at these two teams, and, and they're not exactly dominant in the current predicament. So, the, the, you know, the Rams are, are one and two on the road, not exactly, you know, <laughs> doing that well on the road, Tarvin. But Carolina, they're one and one at home, so they're not exactly holding home court. Uh, I look, I look to this as being that more that defense uh, of the Carolina Panthers are doing a lot of things that are very, very good. I mean, Johnson and those guys up front are a really strong front seven, and then the the Rams. I just don't know if they've been Zach Stace, Zach Staley may be the guy they figured out at running back, but they still haven't figured out uh, a guy who can you know take the rock for them twenty times a game. And that's a problem for Sam Bradford back there. Their receivers are still really young, learning routes, and still making mistakes. And for that defense alone, Tarvin, I'm picking the Panthers in this game. Yeah, I mean, the defense is the key in this game to me, too. So we're on the same page with this game. And Jason Humphrey picked the, the Rams to win. I just I just don't see that, but, but we'll see. And the next game you picked is an interesting matchup. I think this is going to make some could make some people stumble. The San Francisco 49ers on the road at Tennessee. No Jake Locker. 
Trey, of course, Jake Locker's out of this game. Tennessee's at home in an afternoon game. Is there any chance that Tennessee can pull the win off? I mean, San Fran has been inconsistent as well, so is this a week they have to win, really? I mean, is this a must-win for the Niners? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thought because I don't know that it is. I mean, they're 4-2. and two. Obviously, they can't fall too back because uh, it looks like Seattle's going to win tonight. They're up 14 to nothing over the Cardinals. So that would move Seattle to six and one, and if you know Frisco lost, they'd be you know four and three, and you know they're looking you know looking at a wild card at that point. Uh, so I mean it's a must win in that regard. They they have to keep up with what the uh, the Seattle Seahawks are doing, but it's not a must win when it comes down to their playoff hopes at this point. And so you might have them come in thinking you know no Jack Locker no problem. Uh, Tennessee is still playing pretty good. I mean they've lost two in a row, but they're not exactly you know since Jake Locker has been out. I mean, they're not able to win these games, but they're not exactly being, getting blown out, Tarvin. So, you know, Tennessee without Jake Walker is a different team. I'm still doubting them, even at home. They're 2-1 and one at home. They're a much better team than they are on the road. But, Tarvin, I got the 49ers to win this game. I think it's going to be closer because I think the Titans are, are still trying to figure out, you know, post-Jake Walker. But I got the Titans in a close loss. 49ers win. Well, I can't really add too much. You said everything about I was going to say. I think this is going to be a close game. I think Sam Fran will be up by 10 points, and, and late Tennessee may score a touchdown to make it three to to hurt the people that bet on Sam Fran and gave those points. So I'm with you. I like Sam Fran in this game. Paul likes Tennessee to pull the upset. Interesting pick there. That's that's a ballsy pick, and I'm just interested to see who you like this next game, Trey. Your Cowboys 3-3, three and three, the most inconsistent team in the NFL at Philadelphia. No Michael Vick. Nick Foles is the quarterback. Both teams tied in the division at 3-3, three and three, Trey. Who's going to who's gonna win this game and take a step forward in this division? Yeah, I mean, Nick Foles uh, had people talking about quarterback controversy last week. You know, it's interesting – how uh, one week can, you know, make a guy lose his job, a la, you know, what happened in Minnesota uh, after, you know, their quarterback. Now you have Josh Freeman starting there. You know, after one week of bad play from their quarterback, you have one week of good play from Nick Foles. They've won two in a row. Uh, and now people are talking about how Nick Foles is the, is the starter and, you know, Vic should be gone, even though Vic was playing at a pretty high level before that. You have Dallas, who you can't win on the road this year. Three and one at home. They're actually starting to figure out how to win in Dallas. You have Philly, who who wins at home. Oh, excuse me, wins on the road. They have to start winless at home, Tarvin. They're three and one on the road. So you have a battle of two teams. One who Dallas is kind of figuring things out um, at home, but this is a road game. So you know Dallas not figuring things out on the road. You know Philadelphia still hasn't figured out a win, how to win at home. So. This is a polar opposite game, Tarvin, and I got to tell you, Dallas right now, the way they're playing offensively, I really like what they're doing, but the, the, the feeling I'm getting on this is just the Philadelphia Eagles aren't going to be winless at 0-3 at home. It's just so hard to lose that many games at home. I'm going to pick the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles. I think it's the Phillies. The Philadelphia Eagles to win this game. Well, Trey, I can't believe it, but we're on the same page again tonight. I like the Eagles. I think that offense for Philadelphia at home is going to present a lot of problems for that Dallas defense. That's one thing that still hasn't played well this year is the Dallas defense. And I think Dallas is going to put up their points. I think, but at the end of the day, I think Philadelphia is going to wear the defense out, Trey. I think they're going to create a couple of turnovers. And I think maybe those couple of turnovers will be the difference in the game. I like Philadelphia to get out of there by a field goal and actually take a half game or take a full game lead in this division. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Dallas right now, just the defense is, is, seems shaky since the you know Peyton Manning and, and, and Romo sort of gun fest they had uh, shootout, uh, and I'm just you know both of these teams had a real brutal 0 and 3 AFC run, so now they're in the division. We'll see what they do. So both these teams are 2 and 0 in the division. They both both beat Washington and they both beat the Giants. Uh, we'll see what happens. This is going to be the this is going to be the chance for them to both take the lead, Tarvin. So. You know, moving on to the number two game overall, the the four and two Bengals, they're traveling on the road to the four and two Lions, and you know we just had we just had the Lions on our schedule last week, Tarvin, and and they didn't disappoint. So what do you think about this game? Well, I think it's time for Cincinnati to play like Cincinnati. Uh, I think they have a lot of talent on that team, and I think their defense will create some problems for Detroit. This is going to be a close game. Detroit always plays good at home. But I like the road team in this game. I like taking the points in Cincinnati, the underdog in this game. I think they play that role well. I like Cincinnati to go in and create a couple of turnovers. And Stafford's just not going to be enough by himself this week. And I think Cincinnati outduels them. I just think overall Cincinnati has a better team. And I'm going to pick them on the road. Yeah, you know, last week there was a time uh, before the second game started, I think the road teams were something like 7-1 and one in the NFL, which is kind of unheard of. The NFL is a home sort of home court advantage. You know, I'm looking at the Bengals, and they're up and down. They've won two in a row, but they've been at home. They're one and two on the road. This is a team that historically is sort of Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to home and away. And you have the Lions, who really are playing much better than they did last year. They've, they've sort of done what you need a good team to do, which is they're 500 on the road, two and two, and they're two and zero at home. They've, they, you know, they're, they're winning their home games. You know, Tarvin, I, I'm going to disagree with you. I think the, the Bengals haven't shown me on the road they can beat a good team. And so I'm going to take the Lions at home in this game. Okay, I'm all alone. You and Jason Humphrey and Paul are, are picking against me here, so I'm the only one taking the Bengals in this game. I just I just like them at home. I mean, on the road. I, I think they're going to continue that winning streak. I think they're starting to feel their way because they did struggle early in the season. I think they're starting to, to get their groove. A lot of talent on this team, both of them, actually. Um, can can Detroit's defensive line create some havoc? I mean, that's the key to this game, and I think at home is a good place for them to do it. But I still, Trey, for some reason, I'm I'm leaning towards Cincinnati. I just had that feeling about it. Yeah, so that moves us on to the number one game. I don't think anybody disputes that the Broncos undefeated Peyton Manning going home to Indianapolis. They're four and two, coming off a loss last week. The Colts owner, Jim Irsay, making comments that have been caustic, to say the least. So, Tarvin, I mean, uh, Peyton Manning, 6-0, and uh, how is his homecoming in Indy? Man, that's a that's a tough game, and it is by far the best game of the weekend. And I just think it's going to be hard for Peyton Manning to go where he, where he was let go from and, and actually lose. I, I really like Peyton Manning, Indianapolis looked terrible on Monday Night Football. I mean, they looked like they had never played football before. The play calling's not aggressive enough. They're not throwing the ball down the field. And to beat Denver, Trey, you have to throw the ball down the field. And I just don't think they're going to be able to do that. So I like Denver. I like Peyton Manning carving up that Colts defense on turf. Yeah, I mean, we really haven't seen a playbook yet. I mean, you know, what the what Tony Romo and the Cowboys did on offense, uh, you know, was the first time we've really seen you know, a lot of success, but we still haven't seen a team figure out how to stop Peyton Manning and, you know, that sort of all those receivers and, you know, Thomas on the, the tight end having a breakout season. We just haven't seen it yet. 
Um, you know, they've been kind of destroying everybody. They've won all six of their games. They're just looking really good. I mean, 265 points scored. They've only given up 158. And you look at the Colts and, you know, coming off that loss last week, they had been pretty darn uh, good with you know, the Trent Richardson trade. But, Tarvin, I agree with you. I, I just don't know that I, the Colts have the defensive capability to, to sort of stop what we haven't seen yet. I mean, the Colts uh, aren't exactly a team that, that I don't think can go out and score 40. And right now it looks like a team to beat Peyton Manning is going to have to score 40 or 50 points and outscore them. And I'm not sure that's the Colts offense right now. I mean, Andrew Luck's really darn good, Tarvin, but, you know, they just – I'm not sure they're there yet. I think T.Y. Hilton and, and Andrew Luck and all those guys have a great offensive game when it comes to fantasy football. But I, don't, I think it's going to come up short. Broncos are going to win. Yeah. Paul says they're going to win big, but I, I just think Indianapolis bounces back after that performance that they had on Monday, and they played better. I mean, playing better doesn't mean they're going to beat Denver, but I think this is going to be a touchdown game. I could see it being something like 38-31, you know, thirty-one, twenty-four, something like that. I mean, it could be a high-scoring game. It could be an in-between. But either way, Peyton Manning is not going to go back to Indy and lose. And I wonder how the fans are going to treat Peyton. That's the, how in the world could you boo Peyton Manning, Trey? I don't think there's any way possible you can boo Peyton. He actually handpicked Andrew Luck for that organization and told that organization, hey, you need to get rid of me and, and let me go somewhere else. You need to get Andrew Luck. I mean, can you really boo a quarterback that said that, Trey? Yeah, I, I don't think you can. And I guess two questions for you, Tarvin. I'm going to ask you one from the chat room second, uh, and then the, and then the, the the first one I'll ask you this. What impact does Vaughn Miller coming back from his six-team suspension have on this game? Well, I don't know how good of in shape he is. Is he in game shape? I know he's practiced with the team probably and, and done that, but I don't think you'd say a huge impact in this this early in his arrival. But it could. I mean, you never know. Yeah, and let me ask you the other question. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. Uh, you know, Lacey Key in the chat room says, you know, I called, I called what Peyton Manning is going back to India homecoming, and she says, how is it really a homecoming? You know, him going back to Tennessee where he was in college is more of a homecoming. Now, Paul's sort of, you know, in the chat room saying, you know, how he thinks it is. But, Tarvin, do we put too much stock in Peyton Manning going back to Indy? Is it, you know, is it really a homecoming? Like, you know, like going back to your alma mater? Yeah, you know, where you yeah. played college ball, or is this more like going back to where you worked? I think this is kind of like going back to college in a way. I mean, he built Indianapolis. I mean, he's the reason Indianapolis is where they are today. So this is the house that Peyton built, really. He's going back, and it is a homecoming for him. I think he still thinks of that as home. And I disagree with whoever's saying against that in the chat room, Trey. I think it is a homecoming. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see um, the point that Lacey's making in the chat room, which is, you know, is there emotion behind this, or, you know, is this a business decision? I mean, certainly the Indianapolis Colts made a very big business decision for, you know, Peyton Manning to leave, and we see, of course, that I think it worked out. Obviously, Andrew Locke for the future, but, I mean, we see what, you know, Peyton Manning is doing to the league right now, and, you know, you got you got to kind of wonder, does he have that homecoming feel for him? I know, as you know, we like to say that, but you know, is it is it going to be that for him, or is it going to be like, hey, this is the, you know, this is the bank that fired me when I used to work at a bank, you know, type of thing, and is it this, that kind of thing? So, I don't think it's a bad question, Tarvin. I think it's actually something we could debate. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, Peyton Manning sort of put Indy on the map when it comes to football, uh, but what, you know, who knows how emotional he's going to be? I think a lot of people are assuming that it's going to be an emotional game for him, and that Indy 
will be able to get, you know, exploit that. I think he's going to come in there, like, you know, business-like and light him up. What about the fans, though? How are they going to treat Peyton Manning? You know, I think they're going to cheer him. I mean, but I think he's not going to have the benefit of, you know, how quiet it was for him the entire 10 years or so he was in Indy. You know, every time he snapped that football, I mean, he heard himself, you know, yelling, you know, all the audible things, which we know Peyton Manning is famous for saying. Uh, but he's not going to have that opportunity to hear himself, and they're going to be loud on defense like they are for anybody else. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see. And I don't know, Peyton Manning, I mean, Indianapolis hit the jackpot. I mean, how in the world do you lose Peyton Manning and get Andrew Luck? And Indianapolis is going to be good for a long time, and they're just going to build around him and get better. Exciting what Indianapolis is doing. And, I mean, this is a playoff team, Indianapolis. They're probably going to win their division. But I think they can grow a lot from this game. If they, even if they lose, I think they can take whatever they, they do wrong and try to build and say, hey, we've got – such and such amount of weeks left to, to get up to this caliber, and I think if any quarterback can get them there, Andrew Luck can. I just don't think they're there yet, Trey. I don't think they're consistent enough to be able to beat Denver. So this is going to be a great game, and I can't wait to do the show Sunday night and be able to watch this game at the same time. It's going to be amazing. And, you know, another game we hadn't talked about is not on the map, and I understand why it's not, but does does the New York Giants get their first win on Monday Night Football? I cannot believe this game's a Monday Night Football game. The Giants Ofer against a Vikings team that is bad. I mean, how in the world could this be a Monday night game? And will this be the lowest rated Monday night game of the year? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be lower. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they took these games early in the season, you know, or before the season when you know the both the Giants looked like a possible playoff team and the Vikings were coming off a playoff win, you know, or at least not, excuse me, a playoff game last year. Uh, but yeah, this is gonna be a struggle, Tarvin. I think we're gonna all struggle watching it. Uh, I, I will probably watch it. Like I do any Monday night football game, but uh, you know, we're, I think the the story they're going to play up in this game is is obviously Josh Freeman starting at quarterback. Can he ignite that offense uh, that Christian Ponder uh, arguably could not do? And then I, I never thought Matt Castle was the answer. If we talked about at the beginning of the season, uh, so we'll see if Josh Freeman is the answer there. You know, I think they should be able to, a couple of weeks out, look at it and say, hey, we scheduled you for Monday Night Football. We thought this would be a good game, but it's not. So we're going to move you to a noon Eastern kickoff on Sunday, and we're going to move Indianapolis-Denver to Monday Night Football. That would be awesome, you know, to be able to do that. But, man, it's going to be a good week in the NFL. It's not as loaded with games as, as the years past, but, Trey, I've got a little pick for you, a little nugget this week I found. The Pittsburgh Steelers at home. They're going to take care of business and beat Baltimore and try to get back to their winning ways again. Do you agree or disagree? You know, I think it's not a bad pick. I think Pittsburgh at home is not a bad play this week. Lady Gundell's been playing better, uh, and he's sort of helped some of their solutions, their problems. Uh, I don't think Ben Roethlisberger is 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 playing up to his level um, that he can, but I think they're going to start to figure things out this week. And you know, Baltimore is one of those teams that don't play well on the road, so. That's not a bad pick, Tarvin. So let me ask you, let me ask you this one then, since you gave me that nugget. Uh, tell me how wrong you're thinking the Jets are going to upset the Patriots this weekend. Hey, I don't think you're wrong at all, man. I think that's a that's a good pick, and and I, I just can't really disagree with that. I think we have Big E on the line. I just I'm having a little slow connection here in the the Hampton Inn Hotel here with the studio. So Big E is on the line. Big E. Um, I know we're about to move into college, and I know this is right up your alley, but how you doing, buddy? Sorry to keep you on hold. 
Uh, I was about to hang up. <laughs> well, my God. I'm about to throw something. The Steelers ain't winning. I just say not hear about it. Oh, I'm good. How are you? Oh, doing good. I wish you'd have called in earlier, but I still want your opinion on this this committee, Big E, and and your thoughts on it. I, I'm sure that's why you called tonight, right? Yeah, that's why I called. Uh, this, you talking about the SEC committee? Uh, yeah, that's it. That, that, that's what I'm calling it. Uh, I got a scenario for you. Let's go back to last year. Uh, of course, Alabama Notre Dame played in the national championship. Alabama handed them a pretty easy, easy defeat. Uh, who was the second best team in the country last year? Who was the second best team last year? The second I think best Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Okay, that's a legitimate. That's a legitimate. A legitimate team. I, I would have said Georgia. But if you okay. use this new system and listen to these criteria that they've laid out, and, of course, they tried to sneak it in at the end of their little press conference, uh, of course we're going to use one law. We're going to use head-to-head. Conference champions. Hello. Can you hear me? Uh, you're cutting out a minute. Okay, hold on. Let me see. I'm not getting a good signal either, so hold on. Let me see if I can get work. I'll go outside. Crawl out of your mama's basement and get out. I was in the cave, man. I was in the cave. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Uh, Craig, can you hear him now? Okay. Yeah, I got him. All right. Okay. I would have said Georgia, second best team just simply because of the way they played in the SEC championship game against Alabama. But we can use Texas A&M for this little scenario. Uh, according to their little tattoo that they laid out, you've got to be a conference champion. Uh, that's the way it sounded to me anyway. Uh, which means that, uh, it, in my opinion, if you Texas A&M, Georgia, uh Alabama, LSU, if you'd have put any of those four teams up against Notre Dame, it would have been brutal. Do you agree or disagree? No, I agree. Okay. So if you've got to be a conference champion and you're taking the four best teams for this playoff, what does that mean? You're going to get a Wisconsin team that wins the big team and, and finishes it uh, 9-3 and three and – Seventh in the polls. No, I, I don't they think. No, Biggie. I mean, it's a criteria. It's not the only factor they're going to consider. I mean, you're not going to ever get well, a three-loss team in this in this four. Per, I mean, let's be honest. Let's, that's not going to happen. Well, I'm exaggerating, Trey. Uh, I'm being sarcastic, really. Uh, I've seen it done before in basketball. Guess you say teams, but you know, smaller schools when they put this committee together. Uh, if somebody gets a bug up their butt and don't want that team in there, they're not getting in. And this is designed to keep two SEC teams from getting in that playoff because they don't want to see those two teams meet in the national championship game. I agree. That's what this is designed to do. It's not about the best four teams. It's about they want somebody else to win a national championship besides the SEC. 
And, you know, if 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 the SEC's not one of the best four teams, then I don't have a problem with it. If But the, if the SEC's got three of the best teams in the country, then by golly, they ought to be there. This ain't about because you win your conference championship. Or I've heard all kinds of scenarios the last couple of days. It's terrible. It's it's not about the best four teams. It's about making people happy because they're sick of seeing the SEC kill everybody, and they can't do nothing about it because they can't beat us. And it's not Alabama. It's not it's not LSU. It's not Auburn. It's whole conference. Every year, whoever wins that wins the SEC conference is going to be one of the best four teams in the country. And odds are, whoever they beat in the SEC championship or maybe the runner up in that division is going to be one of the best four teams in the country. Well, Ever, I, I, I think if, if huh? I think maybe after looking at the committee a little more and looking at what they're doing, I think if they're comparing apples to apples, and you're looking at uh, a Wisconsin team, say that went thirteen and zero, they they won their Big Ten championship, and you have a twelve and one Georgia team that lost in the SEC championship. I think I think when they look at those teams. I think they're going to say, okay, Wisconsin, they're undefeated, but they won their conference, so they're going to reward that Wisconsin team over that one-loss Georgia team. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think the only time the conference comes into play is when they're comparing teams that are so similar like that. So a one-loss Georgia team would be left out, whether they're they're better or not. I think, Trey, am I wrong on that? I think they're going to compare apples to apples, really, with that and make the decision. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, you know, just going off last year, because, you know, there's a lot of crazy hypotheticals. And, let, and let's stop for a second, and we don't know all the criteria they're going to use. So they haven't announced that, actually, yet. They announced some of the criteria they're going to consider. But, I mean, let's talk about last year, Tarzan. I mean, we know Alabama and Notre Dame would have been, you know, one and two. Who do you think would have been three and four? I'll tell you who it would have been. And, and it's easy to say now that the number three wouldn't have been Florida, but it would have been Florida based on their schedule, and they had one loss. And number four would have been Oregon, who was easily one of the best one-loss teams in the country. Uh, the other team being Kansas State, who was a joke, and I don't think any committee would have put in there after they getting blown out at the end of last season. <laughs> the rest of the teams lost two games, Tarvin, and I don't have any problem with a two-loss team sitting at home. I don't. You can cry in your milk okay, all well, all long, but a two-loss right, team doesn't deserve to be there. Can y'all hear me still? Yeah. How are you going to use head-to-head when Georgia beat Florida? How are you going to do that? If you're talking about Florida being number three, the only reason they're number three is because Georgia lost to Alabama in the SEC championship, and Georgia beat Florida. That's a bunch of crap. You can't go by head-to-head if you're going to say, well, they got two losses. You know, they lost to South Carolina early, and then they lost in the SEC championship to the number two team and the eventual national champion in a five-point you know, five game or whatever it was, and you're going to put Florida in and Georgia beat Florida? You can't do that. That's not right. If you're, going to put a two, if you're going to put a Florida team in there that got beat by Georgia and you're going to say, well, we're going to use head-to-head, but if you got two losses, sorry, that's not right. You can't, you can't say – if you're going to talk about strength of schedule, okay, Florida – Florida got beat by Georgia, but uh, Georgia lost to Alabama in the SEC championship. You're talking about the eventual national yeah. championship. If you don't look at hindsight, that's not right. Georgia was a better football team than Florida. I agree. Yeah, but Georgia lost I two agree games, that. and that's, that's the end of it. You know, Georgia lost two games. Okay. But you're penalizing, you're penalizing Georgia for 
playing in a championship game where Florida, because they lost to Georgia, they got the easy way out just sitting there watching this game. So, E, I see what you're saying, and I'm I'm kind of leaning with you on this one. Well, I mean, the same argument can be used for LSU a couple of years ago. They didn't have to play a championship game. They got into the national championship picture. That I mean, so, I mean, you can't have it both ways. You just can't. And so, bottom line is, is don't lose two games. You know, suck it up. Don't lose twice. Your team, your team plays in ACC, so you can play a cupcake schedule every year. This is the SEC where you can lose any any Saturday against any one of the teams. That's a different. You're talking about two different conferences with two different, completely different ways of going about playing the game. If you if you get if you get in a game with Vanderbilt, you can lose your starting quarterback in a blink of an eye before the first snap, before the first quarter's ever over with. And you're seeing you may you'll be lucky to get out with two losses. It's a whole lot easier. What about the what about the Big Ten? They don't even play a championship game. That's a, that's another thing. They don't even play. Yeah, 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 they, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They do. They got so the I mean, leaders the division and the, the no, I'm sorry, Big Twelve. I mean, I mean, you're I mean, talking about the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve, the Big Twelve with ten teams. I'm sorry, that's what I meant. The Big Ten's a joke anyway. You're talking about a Wisconsin team that goes and wins their conference championship. Okay. Let's say Texas A&M wins out this year. Ohio State goes undefeated. Who played the tougher schedule? But Ohio State over Texas A&M? Okay. Uh, let's say Texas A&M wins out the rest of the year. They don't play for the conference championship because if Alabama wins out, they play. So you got Texas A&M sitting at home. You got Ohio State, who would have been lucky to play anybody that at the end of the year that is still ranked in the top twenty-five, and they go undefeated. Now you tell me who deserves to be in the playoff: Texas A&M or Ohio State? Well, in a two-team in the BCS system, it's going to be Ohio State. But in a four-team playoff, I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the BCS. I'm talking about comparing strength of schedule and all that other crap that they mentioned in their press conference the other day. I'm not talking about that. And I'm saying saying A&M gets in, and so does does Ohio State do a 14 playoff, and so does Alabama. So I don't don't understand what you're you're getting at. I'm telling you that Ohio State's schedule is crap. That's what I'm telling you. And if you're going to talk about using strength of schedule. That's not what you're asking me, though. You're asking me, like, who gets in, and they both get in. Like, two SEC teams in okay. the current well, schedule are going to get in. That's just the way it is. You, you got, you got, you got to look at, uh, you got to look at the, what the projected final rankings would be. If Texas A&M goes undefeated, that means they would have beaten LSU. Okay? Can't tell me their schedule's not going to be tougher. You can't tell me they didn't, they didn't, they didn't play. A, a, a better schedule, and you can't tell me they're not a better football team than Ohio State with no losses. So you're going to tell me that you're trying to put the best four teams in the playoff, and then you're going to put Ohio State in there who's played a crap schedule in a week conference, and Texas A&M has went one loss to the number one ranked football team in the country, and you're going to keep them at home? That's crap. But actually, that's not what I just said. You got to listen to me. I said, I said A&M gets in. In that scenario, you get four teams in. I think there's easiest, easy right now. I think not there's no doubt about it. A second SEC team is getting in this year. If there's four teams this not, year, two of them are going to be SEC. Not if one of the criteria are you have to play for your conference championship. They it's only one of many they, criteria, though. It's only one of many criteria. Well, That's I the biggest one, though, they said. The, the heaviest weight they're putting on this 
is your, I mean, strength of schedule is important, but they said number one was did you win your conference. That's exactly what the commissioner said last night. I mean, let's be real. I mean, there's no way a right now, if you look at last season as an example, there's no way a second SEC team get, does not get into that, that playoff last year. If there's four teams last year, yeah, there's going to be two SEC teams in that tournament, no doubt about it. It's easy. That's super you, kill. You tell, you tell me how much money you've got to bet, and I'll fuck enough. And when that scenario happens and you lose, we'll, we'll swap. You, you just go ahead and give me your money because it's going to happen. <laughs> and you know it's going to happen. No, I I, I, I disagree, buddy. I'm not the only person either, man. I, I appreciate your perspective, but I, I just think that's that's like you know SEC conspiracy theory. There's no doubt about uh, it. It's been going on for six years. I got tired of them after 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 they won second one. It was all or I'm tired of the SEC winning it every year, and and now it's seven years later, and they're getting force fed a bunch of beatings that they can't stand to live with. That I you know I don't have a problem. If Oregon wins the Pac-12, I don't have a problem with them being in, even if they don't win their conference championship. You're not, you've got, there's more to this game than just, just, uh, you know, well, your record's 11 and 2. There's more to it. It's who did you beat? Who did you lose to? How many injuries did you have along the way that cost you a game? There's more to it. You've got, you've got to look beyond what happens in between the lines, and you can't say that. You know, you can't keep a team at home because they didn't play for the championship if they're one of the best four teams in the country. You can't do that. Not if you're trying to accomplish what everybody wants, yep. which is a true national champion. I agree with that. Everett, Everett, real quick before we move on, what do you think about Condoleezza Rice being on the committee? I don't care. Hey, you could put a bunch of clowns on there for, for all I care. That's the way I feel about the committee. <laughs> you, you, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I personally, you know, I would imagine with all that testosterone in the room, she probably needs to be in there to keep some of them calm. Uh, but I don't know. You know, she's concerned. I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it works out. Uh, I mean, she's definitely got diplomatic skills. She's definitely an intelligent woman. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I actually... I actually am more concerned about the people who have no football background whatsoever that's on there. Uh, presidents, uh, the Air Force colonel or whatever. I mean, did he ever even play football? I mean, I kind of – Yeah, yeah he, you know, he did. He did play football, well, and, he, and he coached at Air Force Academy. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't even know the guy's name. The only ones I remember – are the guy from Arkansas and Archie Manning and Condoleezza and uh, 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 hey, Archie. Uh, hey, huh? Archie Manning's on there. Yeah, that's what I said, Archie. I remember Archie. Okay. And I remember the Arkansas eight, uh, eight day, and I remember and I remember Condoleezza Rice. And for the, I, I don't even remember the rest of his name. And, and you know, I was I was open to it. But I mean, my theory on my theory on how this ought to be, done, and, and me and you talked about this the other day, Brian. For the most part, the BCS got it right every year, at least one and two, for the most part. Now there was some question about well, should have been number two or who should have been number four or whatever. 
you know, and, and there was some question about that. But as long as I got one and two together, I suffered. I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, so I suffered through the 70s when all you had to go by was an AP poll, and that's how you determined who the national champion was. And the number one team and the number two team didn't always play each other. They might have played in two separate bowls, and if the number one team won convincingly, they were going to be the national champion. So I wanted to see that head-to-head one versus two matchup. That was that was the most important thing to me when they decided to go to the BCS was, hey, we're going to take all these polls and we're going to use this formula or whatever, and we're going to get one and two together, and they're going to play. And that was important to me as a fan. Okay, now, that being said, why not take the BCS system and leave it in place and let your four teams fight it out at the end of the year? That, that to me, is, is much more, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's much more, it takes the heat air out of it. You know, you got three poles that are human poles, and they may not all be the same, but they're going to be close. And then you take the computers, and they factor in all this stuff. And, 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 you know, you can't look at one pole and say, well, this pole screwed Oklahoma State because they didn't get to play. You got three poles, three computer poles. It averages out, and that's who plays. We'll take those four teams and let them play. You start putting people into the equation, man, and I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody, and that includes you, Trey, says. I don't care. When you put a bunch of people in a room and you start talking about it, if if Jeff Long was the AD at Michigan State at one time, he's going to have some partial uh, – Some um, uh, he's not going to be completely impartial to that school unless he left under – bad circumstances, and then he's going to be on the wrong side of being impartial. Uh, he's going to be uh, partial to the other school that might be trying to get in against Michigan State. There's always going to be some sort of yeah. underlying factor that is going to affect how people or how they put teams in this. When you start bringing people into the equation, it's human nature. And I and don't argue because I got psychology in my background, and I know I know I read people really well, don't I, Brian? Yes, sir. So I'm telling you, it, it's a it's a human nature thing. People are gonna they're gonna sway toward what what they know or who they know or where they've been. It's not always gonna be fair. That's all I care about as an athlete, as a fan. All I've ever cared about is just let it be fair. If I win, I win. I lose, I lose. If my team wins, they're great, as long as it's fair. If you get beat, you get beat. But don't get – I don't want to get hosed by some panel that puts whoever in there because of whatever reason. And that that's just the way I feel. I thought, I thought all along, hey, leave the CS in place and – you know, go from there and play your four teams, that would be better than what we had, which was your top two. You know, but, I, I, you know, well, that's, that's my soapbox. Uh, well, Big E, man, I appreciate you calling in. I agree with you, man, and, and you do know college football, and I appreciate you calling in. Trey, he made some good points. The bottom line, what I get out of his conversation is, look, if you want to, if you want a committee together to get the four best teams in football together 
to play in a playoff, then you need to eliminate all this conference. Uh, I won my conference bull crap and start looking at the strength of schedule. I see exactly what he was saying. When Georgia played last year, Alabama, in that title game, those were the two best teams, in his opinion, in the country. And I can't really argue and disagree with him. And I, I just think it's wrong to put people in just because, you know, they won their weak conference. And I'm, I'm with him on that, Trey. Yeah, but it's still wrong. I mean, we, and in fact, we just pulled up uh, what the commissioner actually said. He didn't say it was the it was the most weighted thing. He said it was one of many things. He actually listed it. Um, and so I heard it. Again, I heard it. I heard him. I heard his interview, Trey. I swear to you. And he said the main thing we look at is did you win your conference? I think he did one of the main things is what, what it actually said. But um, I think we may have another caller on the line, Tarvin. Is Lacey calling in? No. Okay, no, we're good well, right now. Call in, Lacey. She's saying that she's going to call in. Um, but, Carmen, so I just think that, you know, it's, it's the, the conspiracy theory, Just that's what gets me. Everybody, the SEC always thinks people are out to get them, um, except for yeah. there's, you know, entirely, you know, other than my back alley meetings I have to go to in 15 minutes, uh, which is the anti-SEC <laughs> you know, conspiracy committee, uh, you know, I want to go to that meeting, of course. I mean, that we're trying to bring down the SEC. Well, and Trey, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. And and just answer it honestly, and, and, just, and I know you will. When Alabama, a couple years ago in 2011, they made the championship game. They lost to LSU at home 9-6, to and LSU won the SEC. Well, Oklahoma State lost to Oklahoma, uh, you know, or who did they lose to? Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State that year. So, in your opinion – did Alabama deserve to play in the championship? In my opinion, they were the best team in the country. They lost to LSU. They did. Now, I mean, they lost at home, and I can see other people's arguments. But do you think Oklahoma State should have played for the national championship over Alabama? Yeah, here's my actual perspective at the time. And as I'm reflecting on it, um, you know, you asked me to paint. At the time, I would not have an issue with Oklahoma State in that game. I would have no issue whatsoever because – the thing is, is you talk about, you know, there's a lot of this um, sort of sympathetic chat about, well, they deserve it. They're the best team or whatever. And to me, you look at they lost to LSU at home, and that mattered a lot to me. Had they lost on the road, I would have been yeah. even more against Oklahoma State. Um, as it was, I gave the nod to Oklahoma State, and I, you still can't tell me what would happen in that game because they had some pretty big weapons for that team. I don't know. Um, but I, what I do know is, that mattered to me an awful lot, and the Bama lost at home. Now, and you know, so I'm all for reviewing all this stuff and looking at it. But I'll tell you, in a four-team playoff, I had no problem putting Bama in that four-team playoff. You're asking me to pick a final two. I have a tough time doing that because I think Oklahoma State was easily either a two A or a three, very close. And I look at them as a team that that I would have liked to have seen play in a four-team playoff. And that's what I'm getting at, Tarvin, is I don't have any issue with Alabama and LSU in that year. They're going to easily be in my top two or three. Uh, but I wanted to see Oklahoma State play one of those teams too. And I think we're going to get to do that. I, I, that's what I think this gives us, is the ability to see LSU, Bama, Oklahoma State, and whatever, you know, to me that year was a clear fourth one. There was, you know, that was trailing off. And you get to see all four of them play. And that's what I want to see. And I, I just don't see right now how you're going to keep, you know, and last year, you know, you may argue and, you know, that Georgia and Texas A&M were at the end of the season playing pretty darn good football. But the thing is they had two losses. And, you know, Florida, yeah. 
you know, had a, had a really good argument before they got blasted by Louisville of being in a, in a Final Four, and, and I would have picked them last year because I think Florida was playing really well, and I think Florida lost to Louisville in large part because they didn't make the championship. So, uh, you know, I just think that easily last year you would have seen two SEC teams. Uh, that would have been a super easy pick for me, picking Florida well ahead of Georgia, well ahead of Texas A&M. And I would have had Oregon there because I think Oregon was a really great football team in the yeah. last year as well. Well, so. Trey, I need to I need to clarify something. Now, look, at the end of the year last year, I thought Texas A&M was the best team, no doubt. But you're right; they lost early. They lost to LSU at home, I believe, and they lost to Florida at home. So I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I have no problem with the two loss team being left out. Yes, they did play a tough schedule. They did beat Alabama. Uh, but but back in that, let's go back to 2011 real quick before we move on. Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State, and that's my problem. Alabama lost to the number one team in the country. They lost to the number one team in the country by a field goal in overtime, not regulation, in overtime. And some yeah. people, you know, people say Oklahoma State lost after a plane crash and all this, but my argument was, you know, these players didn't really know any of these coaches really, or I don't know. That's just my guess. And I'm, I, that was a tragic event. And I think a lot of people look at that as, okay, we're going to forgive Oklahoma State for this because of the tragedy around their school. But at the end of the day, you should be able to beat Iowa State. I don't care if people came in and shot your family out with machine guns, you should be able to beat Iowa State. So there, that's, that's my argument. But I, I wouldn't have had any problem with Oklahoma State making it. I would have had no yeah. problem at all. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. I mean, the problem – I don't think the problem that you and I are having, I think the problem that Biggie is having and, and why, I don't, why he doesn't understand it I don't, and he doesn't really have any facts to back it up is how he thinks, other than this conspiracy theory and people are out to get the SEC, what facts do we have to show that in any years past, if you walk down – you know, you and I are talking about the top two. When we start talking about top three and top four, it's pretty clear there's an SEC team always there. Uh, in the last couple of years, they've been so dominant. And so I just don't have the facts. I mean, you look at you know, look at the AP poll, you look at the, the you know, the, the, the coaches poll, you look at the BCS. I mean, there's always a third team or a fourth team who are SEC teams. And that's going to be a pretty big, significant factor for these people who are doing this committee. Uh, if you're up there and you get one loss, I mean, I don't see another conference who can challenge the SEC as a one-loss team right now. Yeah, that's good. And I appreciate Big E calling in, giving his opinion. And, look, everybody's opinion is valued here. It's respected. And, Trey, you disagreed with Big E, but you were respectful about it. You know, and I appreciate yeah, I mean, that. Got... Let every, 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 yeah, let everybody know out there. You can call in and you can disagree with me, Trey, whoever. I mean, it doesn't matter. We appreciate you calling in and giving us your opinion because everybody's different, Trey. Everybody sees it different. That's the beauty of college football. Everybody's different. I think that's why you need 13 people on that committee. I mean, it kind of makes it more even. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Carvin. So, I mean, good conversation. I, you know, dude, thanks for calling in. Thanks for the chat room conversation while that was going on. But, Carvin, let's talk about this week. Um, let's get through some of these games. We have a lot of talk, a lot of talk about, Carvin. Hey, Trey, how, how about tonight? How about tonight, Thursday night game, a top yeah. ten team on the road in your Thursday night game. North Carolina's up seventeen thirteen, and they're driving. They just got a penalty. But what is it about these Thursday night games for top ten teams going on the road, Trey? Year in and year out, we see this that they just can't win on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean the stat I actually saw was I think less than fifty percent. If you come on a ranked team going on the road on Thursday night playing an unranked team, I think they're about fifty percent or less. I think it was that I saw with winning the football game. So, 
you know, it's not, and, you know, I saw a bunch of different conferences, so it didn't really, conferences didn't matter. There was SEC upsets, ACC upsets, Big Ten, you name it. It didn't really seem to matter who the team was, but all that mattered is you have a ranked team on the road against an unranked team, and the result a lot of time was a loss. And I, I can't I can't put my finger on that part, but I have no idea. I've been watching college football for a number of years. I don't know if it's the lack of, you know, the lack of focus, the preparation, who knows, but there is something in the water on Thursday night ESPN games if you're a ranked team. Yeah, and I'm 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 glad we don't. I, I kind of wish Auburn was at home tonight playing Texas A&M. I, that, I would love that game. <laughs> um, I, 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 I would I would pick Auburn tonight in that game. And you're right, but Trey, let's. I mean, you've got some great games this weekend picked, and I don't know how you keep doing it, but you stump everybody. So go ahead and get us started, man. Get us through these top ten games. Let's call it a night. Yeah, the, yeah, the first one I'm going to ask you is just you know is this an upset because. You know, Central Florida, 4-1, they're an okay football team. They played the their one loss. It was a very tough loss. Now, they're on the road against number eight, Louisville, who we all know is playing a cupcake schedule on the way to a 6-0 road, uh, seeing an undefeated team. So, uh, can Central Florida pull an upset? No. I mean, Louisville's not as good as I thought they were, honestly, Trey, but Central Florida going on the road against a Louisville team. Is this game Friday night? It's, it's tomorrow night, yeah, Friday night. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough game. Friday night at home, Louisville didn't play well against Rutgers last week. I think Bridgewater has to make a statement. I think Louisville's at number eight right now, Trey. Weren't they at, like, number four at one time? And they just keep dropping because of that. Mm -hmm. They have the worst schedule of any top ten team by far. So in order to kind of get some points back, they're going to have to start blowing out everybody they play, which they haven't done. So, I think they, they're focused this game. They realize in order to get some respect, they're going to have to win this game by 40. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, in the post-game conference against Rutgers, Charlie Strong was real real frustrated. And he was talking about how they needed to make a statement in that game for the precise reasons you're talking about. Louisville has a good shot at going undefeated. I think my prediction is they're going to play an undefeated uh, Ohio State in some bowl. I don't know how they're going to figure it out, but they'll try to figure that out. Uh, but I think they may run the table. They're going to be left out. I just don't see them getting the championship game. Uh, Louisville wins this game, though, Tarvin. Uh, I, I would say pretty easy. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to going to disagree with you in this game, Trey. That's a that's a good one to get started off with. And and here's one that is tricky. I mean, South Carolina, number eleven, five and one. They looked great against Arkansas last week, and. Tennessee three and three at home again. They had a bye week after that emotional overtime loss against Georgia. Did Tennessee just turn a corner in this game and get some confidence and head into this bye week and get healthy and have a have a chance to prepare for South Carolina? Or is South Carolina just going to blow them out like they did Arkansas? I think South Carolina figured some stuff out. Uh, they seem to be playing at a different level now. I think they realize that they have a shot here now, and those players are playing a little more motivated now that Georgia's gone down again to a Missouri team, which will tell you a little bit about Georgia. Uh, so I, I'm picking South Carolina win this game, Tarvin, but I think this is going to be a slugfest for quite a while. I think Tennessee's starting to figure some stuff out. I think South Carolina at the end of this, they have a lot of pressure on, on Worley, and they force some turnovers, and this, this game pulls away in the fourth quarter. Well, I think the difference is Tennessee had some success against Georgia. They had the crowd. And I think the difference in this game to me is South Carolina's defense. I think Tennessee's going to struggle scoring. And, and just like Paul said in the chat room, Mike Davis made his husband five this week. I mean, what's Tennessee going to do to stop the run and to stop Connor Shaw from actually making plays with his feet and arms both? I mean, this is – 
a tough matchup for Tennessee. I don't think South Carolina takes them lightly because of that Georgia game. And I think South Carolina gets out of there with a two-touchdown victory track. Yeah, so I think we're in agreement there. The chat room seems to be picking South Carolina as well. But interesting game. So how about this one, Tarvin? LSU, 6-1, number six in the country, <laughs> traveling on the road against a team in Ole Miss who has lost three straight football games, Tarvin. What do you think? Make it four. Uh, they've played a tough, tough schedule. When, remember preseason when we looked at this? I picked Ole Miss going 0 and 4, I think, mm-hmm. in this stretch, or maybe maybe 1 and 3. I think I had them beat A and M. But look at this, Trey. At Alabama, at Auburn, now you played an emotional game against A and M and lost. And now guess what? Now you get to stop this rushing attack of LSU. And not only that, you have to shut down these NFL caliber receivers. I think LSU played conservative last week. They played a physical smash-mouth game. I think this game, they, they do a little of both. I just don't see Ole Miss being able to stop the run of LSU, Trey. I think at the end of the day, LSU wins this game by a couple of touchdowns. I don't see an upset. Yeah, I, I don't either. And the reason is, is, is Ole Miss is banged up. They're getting worse. They're not getting healthy. LSU, I think, is, you know, I think Ole Miss will be competitive for a while in this game. But I think LSU, again, this is a team that's playing at a very high level right now. The defense is getting better and better. And I don't think they're going to – I think right now Les Miles has actually got them focused on sort of destroying each sort of opponent as they go so that they can face Alabama and have that shot to knock them down and, you know, pull themselves up into the national championship debate. So I think LSU is a focused team right now, and I think Ole Miss is a team that's hurt. Uh, and unfortunately for what Hugh Freeze is doing out there, this is going to be a tough loss. <clears throat> Hey Trey, Trey, did we preview Ole Miss in the pre in the preseason? Paul said we didn't, and maybe we didn't. He, he said he, he said we got it right. We didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we didn't. I don't know how we, I don't know how I would have missed them, but um, it's possible. So, Tarvin, wow. I'm looking at the next game, I'm looking at number sixteen undefeated Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, traveling on the road to West Virginia. I have this as an upset possible here, Tarvin. What do you think? Can West Virginia, uh, the Red Raiders are sort of shooting up the rankings at number 16. What do you think? Wow. This is is where Texas Tech loses every year, Trey. This is the time of year. They they, they play their out-of-conference this week. I think this is an upset game. It's a noon kickoff. West Virginia has showed signs of being able to play defense. and being able, I mean, they shut Oklahoma State down. I mean, I think that game was on the road, wasn't it? That was in Oklahoma State, I believe. Yeah, it was. And now they're home against Texas Tech. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and pick the upset in this one, Trey. You suckered me into it. You, you played the <laughs> trap, and, I, and I, bit, I bit the cheese. And um, I'm going to take West Virginia to win this game. I'm excited about this game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm not rope it open yet. I'm picking the upset of West Virginia as well. That's why I put this on here. You know, the chat room is going against against us in full force, saying it's going to be Texas Tech. Look, Texas Tech is an exciting football team. I mean, Queensbury, Kingsbury has them. He's really playing well. But um, West Virginia, I just think in Morgantown, they're going to be tough. And I am not sold on Texas Tech yet. Maybe this this is the week that that I I get bitten by that. But I'm going West Virginia target Good. I mean, take me home, West Virginia. That's where we're going to be going. Um, and, and, so, Paul, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tarvin, how about, how about this next game? Uh, a lackluster 4-2 and two, UFC fired their coach. 
Uh, now we're looking at Ed Ogeron, and people are actually kind of excited about him and USC. I, I'm not sure why. And then uh, Notre Dame team who's 4-2, and two, and you and I sort of nailed our prediction on them so far. What do you think? This is in, in Notre Dame. Well, I mean, Ed Orgeron got him fired up for a game after a bye week. But let's face it. Now, I mean, I think Notre Dame needs this game bad. And I think they're going to get it at home, Trey. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame often. This is a night game. Um, Marquise Lee's playing, which is which is good for them. I, I don't know. I like Notre Dame's defense in this game to be able to win it. I like Notre Dame at home by about three points. Yeah, I'm going Notre Dame at home simply because it is at home, and I'm I'm not sure that you know USC's figured that much out just yet. Uh, although, man, uh, the quarterback situation at Notre Dame hasn't gotten any better. So, I mean, I could all, I could so I could see this game going either way, being a complete Notre Dame disaster, uh, and also seeing Notre Dame win this. So, I'm going to pick Notre Dame, but I'll play you, Tarvin. I am I am not confident at all in picking Notre Dame to win a game. I'm not either, and, and at any time. I mean, Ed Orgeron, I heard somebody say the other day, if he won out, I mean, there'd have to be 130 coaches turned down that Southern Cal job for him to get it. So I think he knows that he's not getting the head coaching job next year. And, and I don't think he's he's a good enough coach to start winning football games in Southern California. I don't think he's a difference maker. I think Notre Dame has more stability in that program right now. Being at home, a night game, a must-win for them. I, I think they're going to win, Trey. I, I mean, it's not going to be an upset to me. I think Notre Dame is actually a slight favorite in this game. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame's got two of our folks in the chat room buying into them, and then Jason Humphrey, our Pac-12 guy, is sticking with his roots with USC. So uh, definitely some different picks in the chat room. Uh, but speaking of that Pac-12 conference, Tarvin, Washington at number 20 lost two games in a row. It's two very, very good football teams. They're traveling on the road to a 4-2 Arizona State team. Tarvin, is this is this the moment where we find out that Washington isn't as good as we thought they were? I do. I, I think they've been emotionally drained. I mean, going on the road to Stanford and then or- they have Oregon at home and even the way they lost it. I think these guys have given up on the season, Trey. I, I just don't think they can come out and fight again and, and it mean a- enough. Anytime adversity hits in this game, I think, you'll see Washington kind of let off the gas a little bit. So I like Arizona State at home. And this is not one of those 11 o'clock desert kickoffs. It's a 6 p.m. Eastern kickoff. I don't know, Trey. Call me crazy, but I think they lose three in a row. I think that's a great pick. I mean, Jason's saying that Arizona State, you know, your Pac-12 guys backing you. Um, here's the thing. Not so fast, my friend. I'm going not so fast. I'm going Lee Corso on <laughs> you guys. Washington and me and Paul are going Washington. They, they figure it out. They're I think they are a pretty good football team. They're going to make a decent bowl. They're probably they're not going to be ten wins at the end of this season, but they're going to win this football game today. I like Keith Price and uh, what they're going to do. So I'm going Washington. Go Huskies! Wow, I think I'll, I'll side with Jason in this one. I don't trust Paul this weekend. He's got his. He's so worried about Missouri on that next pick. I, I just I just think his, his vision's clouded right now. I think he's a. He's a man in shambles, so that's their next game, right? Missouri, Florida? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Missouri's yeah. at home with a backup quarterback, Trey, and after watching this game, the Missouri-Georgia game, Missouri's a lot better than I thought. And even without their quarterback, I think being at home, I don't, I don't trust Florida's offense enough to pick them on the road. And 
Man, I'm smelling upset in this one, and I'm going to pick Missouri right now on this radio show. They're going to beat the Florida Gators, Trey. They're going to beat wow. the Gators. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. They're going to lose. The Gators are going to lose this game because of that LSU game last week physically just beat them up, and I think now they're less confident than ever, and I think Missouri's riding high. I think their defense is not bad. I think their offense can go. This is a system offense, and I think the quarterback will be able to move the ball on Florida a little bit. Um, I'm telling you, Missouri in an upset. You heard it here. Yeah, well, I'm listening, Tarvin, but I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, I'm going to have to say not so fast. I'm I'm going to say that you have been fooled by a wolf in sheep's clothing in Missouri, and Mizzou is going to get beat in this game, and it's going to be ugly. I think Matty Mock, or whatever his name is, is going to turn the ball over so many times. It's going to get frustrating for Missouri fans. I don't think Florida's offense is going to be an issue here because they're going to score on defense. I think this game is going to be about a 20-10. to 10. It's not going to be a blowout target, but Florida's going to stifle that offense. And they're going to just enough on, the, on, on offense to win this game. Well, I'm going to not so fast you again, Trey. I was not fooled. I was not fooled by a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm just picking this to piss. I'm just picking this to annoy Paul in the chat room, man. I know he's he's about to come through the phone right now. Let me see if he's he's on the line right now. Let's just see if he if that made him hit number one in the studio. If I can find the studio, uh, let's see. Nope. Cuervo was just in. Cuervo, if you can call back in. Remember, I'm not at home in my normal studio, so. I'm not as fast on the trigger. But, Trey, I don't think Missouri had anybody fooled. I think going to Athens, even though Georgia had some people out on offense, I think that was a big win for them in the way they won it. I mean, they blew Georgia out. It's not like they won a a two-point game on the road with all these injuries. They dominated that game from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you that they they won the game that way. But to me, I I was looking at Georgia as a paper dragon anyway. I kind of thought they were going to falter at some point, just like kind of, you know, you and I talked about Stanford and Georgia, how we both were waiting for them to falter. Well, it happened in the same week, I think, for both of us. So, you know, here's the the issue, Tarvin. I just don't I, – I, Missouri, I, I don't think they're going to be ranked at the end of this season. That's how – that's what I think about Missouri right now. Well, well, just a quick update right now. We're late in the third, two minutes left. North Carolina picked it off. They're on the move up 20-13 to 13 over Miami, Trey. This is going to be a four-quarter game. It's going to be a good one to see. Um, is, is Miami the fraud that I've called them out to be all season? Well, we're about to find out. Yeah, I mean, this game looks like a, it has all the makings for a Miami loss. Stephen Morris, Morris who's an uh, NFL-caliber quarterback, he's actually on a lot of people's draft boards already. Three picks is looking pretty terrible. Uh, I don't know why they just don't run the football. They're doing pretty well running the football, Miami is. But Stephen Morris not playing very well right now. Yeah, and I think we're getting close, Trey, to that that game you're wanting to trap me into right now. Is Auburn next on the list? Well, Tarvin, I mean, I think it has to be. Number three game, the 24th-ranked Auburn Tigers, who I predicted to be ranked for this game, at number seven, Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel at five and one. Tarvin, here's my – I'll let you pick because I know this is your team – I'll tell you this right now. I, I've been impressed with Auburn so far this year, 5-1. and one. I think a lot of folks are impressed with what Gus Malzahn is doing with the way they're playing, uh, with the way he seems to have made a lot of moves that have worked out. I mean, honestly, 
which has been a, a very nice thing for Auburn fans. But I have a problem with going into Texas A&M, and you know, if, if, if Alabama can't do it, Tarvin, I don't, I don't know that Auburn can. I think the problem with Auburn is going to be um, can they in any way slow down Manziel and Mike Evans? I think they will at first. I think they're going to be able to score, especially to run the football against A&M. But running the football isn't isn't necessarily what's going to win you at A&M. I think you're going to have to pass and score as well. And I'm a little afraid of the turnovers when it comes to Auburn and passing. So A&M wins, Tarvin, but this is not going to be a blowout. I think this is going to be a competitive game. Well, I mean, Auburn right now, let's look at this. They're 5-1. and one. They're, they're right where I predicted them to be. And, look, they play Arkansas, Tennessee, and Florida Atlantic. There's an eight-win team. If Auburn wins eight games this year, they've exceeded everyone's expectations. And you have A&M, Georgia, and Bama. And I think, I mean, you got to look at it. Is Auburn ready to take that next step? Well, in order to take that next step, they're going to have to go on the road and beat a Texas A&M team that is very, very good on offense. Now, their defense leaves, you know, they're, they're pretty bad. But I think if to Auburn, they're a good eight or nine win team this year. They they're real good. They're a lot better than last year. But in order to beat A and M on the road, you have to really be an upper echelon team, I think. And right now, I don't know if they are. I don't think they are. But you never know what can happen. If I'm Auburn, I never put the ball in the air unless it's a play action bomb. I don't think A and M can stop the run at all. Auburn's the number one rushing team in the SEC. I think this is going to be an entertaining game, and this is. This is the biggest game on Auburn's schedule right now, guys. This is to show them where they are. I mean, they beat Mississippi State. They beat Ole Miss. That's great and all. But can you beat Texas A&M on the road? This is where we're going to find out how good Auburn really is, Trey. And if Auburn wins this game, do you think they can beat Georgia or Alabama? Well, I think they can beat Georgia right now. I mean, like I said, I have Georgia losing four games. And I'm not so sure they're you know, before – all the injuries happened. I thought it was an uphill battle for Auburn. But right now, with the injuries and Auburn's playing very well together, where Georgia, I think, is on the precipice of being a complete disaster because you don't know at what point those guys are going to give in for the season. I mean, just like we've seen with other SEC teams, it's easy to give up the season. And I think Georgia is really close to that happening for them. They're probably one loss away. And so I think Auburn could win against Georgia right now, Carvin. But, uh, I mean, just based on where Auburn has progressed and where I think degressing. Well, I think, I think for Auburn to win the game, they're going to have to keep the ball away from Johnny Menzel. I know that sounds cliche, but that is true. I mean, they're going to have to have 10, 12-play drives, eating the clock up, because, look, nobody can stop Johnny Menzel. I mean, for some reason, this guy's like a magician on the field. The only way I think we can, you know, win comfortably in this game is if Johnny Menzel goes out. I think Auburn's going to put up 30-plus points easy in this game, but the only problem is, how are you going to stop Texas A&M from scoring 40, Trey? And I think that's mm-hmm. about what we have is about a 42 to 31 game, something like that. I, I think Auburn's a good football team, and even losing this game on the road, I think they'll gain respect. And I think at the end of the day, Auburn's got a chance to win every game they're playing this year. And so I'm going to pick A&M, but it's not going to be by the point spread. And the reason this spread's so high is because A&M scores in bunches, Trey. And Auburn's defense hasn't showed me yet that they're – they passed that next level to get up there, and I think they're a year away on defense. So I'm going to look in the studio and see if Lacey's in. She wanted to call in. But, Trey, it's hard for me to pick against my boys there, but at the end of the day, I think they're a good football team, but they're just not there yet. So let's bring Lacey on the line. Lacey, what's up? How are you all doing? Good. Good. How are you? How are you? 
Doing good, doing good. I thought I'd call in and uh, give my little two cents about this game this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us, what do you think? Well, okay, at the beginning of the week, I think Vegas had this game at what, 14 points, 14 and a half, or something like that? 13 and, and um, a half, right and then, now. Right. And then this morning when I checked it, it dropped down to, I want to say 12 and a half or 13. And then this afternoon when I checked it again, it jumped back up to like 13 and a half, I think. I, I mean, I'm with you, Tarzan. I don't think we're going to win this game. Granted, yes, our run game is terrific and it's the best in the SEC, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we just, nobody can, can contain Manziel. It doesn't matter if you get him out of the pocket or what. I mean, he's going to make a play regardless. And I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I think, like you said, I think that we'll gain respect. But I also think that um, that we will cover the spread and the points. So I think it'll be a good game. Well, Lacey, I think, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I see a lot of teams trying to spy Johnny Manziel with a guy that's not even close to athletic enough. You know, and I saw two Ole Miss trying to do two people the other night. It still wasn't working. I do think Auburn has a spy good enough, you know, a couple that could stay with him a little while. But at the end of the day, I mean, they run the ball fast. They, they're they hurry up. And how's Auburn yeah. going to stop that big big receiver, Evans, on the outside? I mean, I worry about that, too. Our corners aren't huge. And, man, he's just a great receiver. You saw what he did against Alabama. He single-handedly almost beat Alabama. I did. I did. And I watched uh, Mark Snyder's, uh, I guess, practice conference. It was from yesterday or Tuesday or whatever. I watched it today. And he said, yeah, you know, Auburn's uh, offense is the same as Ole Miss. They just have a few, you know, tweaks here and there. And and we don't have to play – we don't have to change our playbook, you know, that much and blah, blah, blah. And granted, you know, true, but – and same with uh, Auburn's defense. I mean – it's kind of the same thing, and and you're right. I just don't think that we can contain them as well. I think that we're a year off, like you said earlier. I I just I don't know. I I I don't know. Anything can happen at you know at you know mid October. I I have no idea. I just well, think Lacey, that, I don't know. Lacey, you look at the quarterback situation in the SEC. Auburn next year with. All there, they lose nobody on offense at all. They get their whole defense oh, back. And the quarterbacks, you see Murray's going from Georgia, McCarron's going from Bama, Johnny Manziel's right. going from LSU, and LSU's yeah. quarterback's gone, Mettenberger's gone. Tell right. me that Auburn won't be possibly the number one team projected in the West next oh, year with a I senior thought, quarterback. I, I thought this three games ago. And granted, I really thought this last week looking at our backup quarterback. I mean, oh, my God. Did anyone see that game? I mean, granted, you know, it was against nobody, a cupcake, but Jesus, he hasn't played a real game since high school. I mean, you know, broke all kinds of records in the first half. I mean, that's very, very impressive. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so excited about, the, you know, the rest of the year and next year. I, yeah. So. Yeah. But this year is all about growing. I mean, if you can, if you can beat A&M, Alabama, Georgia, so be it, do it. But this year – is about Gus Malzahn laying the foundation, getting his players in the system, his coaching staff consistent. And, God, I mean, this Auburn team, if they win nine games this year, Gus Malzahn's the coach of the year easy. I mean, because people were calling them Trey, and you heard it. 
they were calling them six and six, five and seven. I mean, you didn't hear exactly. many seven and fives at all. So no, this Auburn this Auburn I, game's got a good I, chance of being an upset, but but I'm not ready to pull it just yet. Yeah, and and Lacey, let me ask you this before we let you go: is what I mean, you know, what is Auburn's turnover uh, number they need to hit to upset Johnny Manziel? Because I think there's a number. What number do you think they have to hit? I think we need to hit 45. Turnovers? <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, 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 I thought you said total total points. Sorry. No. Turnovers, no. I think we need two or three. Two or three good ones. Uh, I don't know. I, well, well, Lady, yeah. I'll tell you this right now. If you look up at the scoreboard at the end of the day area in the score mm-hmm. column or in the stats, and you see Auburn with no turnovers in this game, I think Auburn wins mm-hmm. the game. Oh, Granted, I do too. That and God, our I'm sorry, our running backs I mean, we have what? <laughs> five good ones? <laughs> I don't know. Yep. I'm just yeah. I'm just I'm I'm very skeptical but I'm very optimistic at the same time. I I know it's a very big contradiction but I am. Oh, I agree. Uh, I, I, I think I, I think we all understand that, Lacey. <laughs> We're about to talk about the Florida State team that I feel the same way about. Hey, but let me. I uh, can tell you. See, I'll tell you this. I think this is the the number. I think you need to get to is if you look on the scoreboard at the end of the day and you're in the fourth quarter with a, you know and you have zero turnovers and you see what you want to see from A and M is three. I think that's your magic number. If you right. see three and you got zero in the fourth quarter, I think that you're either you're either tied or you're winning. Put it that way. I think Auburn Auburn has a shot for the upset with that number. I agree. I agree 100. percent Lacey, if we run for 300 yards. If Auburn runs for 300 yards in this game, I think they're going to win too. And, and I mean, I know that sounds like a lot, but this is a an A and M defense. It's not good, but I do see them making progress. I really do. I see A and M defense getting a little better, and I hope this is not the week that they figure it out. But Manziel, I mean, it'd be awesome to see them win this game, shut them down, and and get back to the Auburn football of old. But man, this Texas A and M offense is scary, and now they're running the football with it. Who was that defensive player that was out like two weeks and is coming back now for A and M? Do you know who, who, who I'm talking about? Um, uh, not off the top of my head, I don't know his name. Okay. Anyway, they they said that he's back and that he's starting and you know he should be a hundred percent. I I don't know. I, I think that's I don't know. I think that's one of the factors of why the points kind of went up again today. I don't know. I was watching the the uh, conference right. today, but, but yeah. All right, well, Lacey, but I appreciate you calling in. Thanks for supporting the show and listening, and call in Sunday night mm-hmm. and discuss this game with us. Take care of yourself and War Eagle, I guess. Trey, that moves us on to, I guess, a number two game in the week, right? Auburn was number three, and they got UCLA on the road undefeated against a Stanford team, five and one, licking their chops after <laughs> losing to Utah. And I know those midterms are hard at Stanford, Trey. But I'm not buying that they lost to Utah. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the X factor is, is I, I thought Utah was a pretty horrible team. And after that game, I was a little less less of that opinion. You know, I, I think that it's easy for good teams to get trapped at times on the road. I still think Stanford's a pretty good football team, Tarvin. I'm going to make this short and sweet because I want to talk about the number one game. I think this is going to be a darn good football t- football game. This was a very, very competitive game that we saw several times last year between these two teams are very evenly matched. 
I think the difference is, is the road team is going to have some problems here. I'm not surprised if UCLA pulls out a close one here, Tarvin, but I'm going to go with Stanford at home in a close one. Uh, and I'm going against Jason Humphrey in the, in the chat room because you know, the, the Pac-12 guy has gone against me in the Pac-12 game so far, Tarvin. So I'm going to go against him again. Well, I think UCLA and Oregon are the best teams in the Pac-12 this year. And I, you know I've said it all year. Stanford is not what everybody thinks. So I like I like UCLA, and I like their quarterback. I think he's better. I think he's more athletic. I think UCLA is just overall a better football team. You saw the thrashing they put on Nebraska in that second half. Well, this is a 3.30 kickoff game. UCLA has to be, you know, looking to Oregon a little bit now and worried about the Utah loss and how is the perception but at the end of the day, Stanford is just not the team that everybody thought they were. And I think the line reflects that. The four-and-a-half-point spread, Stanford's favored. I think I just don't think they'll cover it. I think UCLA wins this game late by field goal. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's a bad pick, Turbin, at all. I think UCLA is a darn good football team. And, and Hunley, who you're talking about, it could be a top-five pick in the NFL draft uh, come, yep. come next year. I mean, he's that kind of talent. Uh, so I'm not surprised if UCLA breaks out in this game and really shows us something because I think Hunley has been waiting for a game to do that in. This is certainly a national-type televised game that he might do it in. But, you know, I just have a tough time going against Stanford, a good football team at home that plays good, sound football. I think they're going to figure out that they need to run the football a little bit more than they did last week, uh, and then Stanford gets back on the W column. Well, I mean, I think he's good enough if he was eligible to go this year and be a top-five pick like that. I mean, that's how good the quarterback is. At UCLA Hunley, but Trey, we we waited all year for this game. We've been talking about it. I mean, I've been worried. Can Florida State stay undefeated and not lose a, a team? And they started off slow in the first half of games. Clemson showed signs that they're looking forward to this game last week, and almost you know the egg they laid. It was that they played last week. Um, Boston College. Yeah, Boston College. I mean, it was they laid an egg in the first half, and they. They survived, which means that both of these teams are just looking at this. And Florida State had a bye week last week, correct? Yep, they did. And that's huge. And at the end of the day, Florida State's a three-point favorite. I'm going to pick this one first, straight since this is your team that we're talking about. I mean, you got a fifth-year senior in Taj Boyd against the freshman Thedom here, a red-shirt freshman. And I don't know, this is his biggest challenge of the year. And Todd Boyd with five years of experience in college. Trey, this is a tough game to predict, but everywhere I look, Florida State's better. Defense, I think that's the key to this game is the defensive side of the ball. Florida State's the better team. And I, I just don't think Winston's going to show any signs of being a freshman in this game. I like Florida State to go on the road and take care of Clemson and, and take one more step closer to that national championship game. Well, I mean, Carmen, the, the, the stat I'm having a problem with is, you know, Taj Boyd has lost once at home in his career. That's a tough stat to get around if you're a Florida State fan. Florida State, I think, is 0-5 in the last five games at Death Valley. So uh, I, what, I, what I do like about what you're saying, and I do like about what Jameis Winston said, was when he had approached with that question, hey, do you realize that Florida State lost five straight games in Death Valley? He was like, I wasn't aware of that. So, I mean, that, that's, that's good for, for him. Is He's that cool and that collected. As is like That stuff doesn't bother him. He's not caught up in the past. I mean, this kid's trying to blaze his own future, and, and he seems very calm about it. Uh, this is his game, though, man. We haven't seen him in a big game, Tarvin. And we, and Clemson has a lot, a lot of talent. 
Uh, I'll tell you what, here's my, I'm going back and forth. I'm pulling what you and Lacey are sort of, you know, doing. I can't figure out who I want to say <laughs> about the game all week long. I, my 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 head tells me Clemson. My heart tells me Florida State. Uh, so you know what? Here's t- you know, when you when you when you're conflicted between your heart and your head, Tarvin. You know what you do? You go with your heart. You go with your heart and you, and you damn your head because your heart's what you, you get to the pretty <laughs> woman who you marry, not your head. Uh, if not, you probably would never let her ask her out because you didn't think she was you know she was going to say yes. So like I did with my wife, Tarvin. I'm going with my heart. I'm gonna ask out. I'm gonna ask Florida State to go steady with me tonight, Tarvin. So Florida State, don't let me down. Uh, Jameis Winston, I'm going to. I'm going to Florida State uh, in, a, in a win, and a, I'm gonna say that Jameis Winston comes out uh, with his Heisman party in this game, and Florida State wins it. So Trey, you're saying your head told you not to marry your wife, huh? <laughs> I think my head. She was out of my league, is what I'm saying, Tarvin. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, your heart never lets you down. I mean, it never. It's always true to you, man. My mind's got me in a lot of trouble sometimes. So I think you're right. I mean, Florida State, to me, Paul's picking Clemson. And I think that has to do a little bit, Trey, with him being a Gators fan and maybe being a little jealous of Florida State's success this year. Yeah, and uh, Paul's talking about the preseason. And in preseason, I I picked Clemson in this game. I had no idea that Florida State was going to look the way they've looked so far and that, you know, Jameis Winston was going to come in looking like this, and, you know, Paul, I get it in the chat room. I know Death Valley. I know Florida State's history of failure in Death Valley. Uh, and, you know, with, with all that, um, and he says, tell me the one reason I should pick Florida State. Uh, and I'm going to go with Jameis Winston, Paul. That's my one reason. Yeah. Paul, I mean, look, Davo Sweeney in this game, Trey, does he have what it takes? To, to be a Florida State team with this much talent. I mean, I, when I look at Debo Sweeney as a coach, um, I just don't know, man. I just don't know if he can. He has it to win a big game like this. And he's won a big game, he says, when he beat Auburn last year, the first of the year, a 3-9 and nine Auburn team. And he beat LSU last year. But at the end of the day, there's not much on the line in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. There's not much on the line – that first week against Georgia, really. I mean, this is the game. I mean, this is bigger than Georgia, Clemson. I'm telling you, this is huge. This is for all the marbles of their season. If Clemson loses this game, their season's over. If Florida State loses this game, the season's over, especially if Miami loses the night to North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, it makes this mm-hmm. game even more important because these teams, I mean, the winner of this game, guys, I'm telling you, is probably going to play for a national championship this year. And it could be Oregon, Clemson, Oregon, Florida State, Florida State, Alabama. You just never know right now. But I just think the winner of this game, all they have to do is take care of business the rest of the season and they're in. Strength of schedule or not, the ACC is a lot better conference than they have been in years past. They're more top-heavy. And, Trey, I'm going with Jimbo Fisher and Florida State to get it done on the road. Yeah, and here's some other things to look at as well. And I look at – you know, you, the only time we, we really have a common opponent that matters, and I know, you know, Boston College isn't the greatest opponent, but Florida State and, and Taj Boyd and Clemson both struggled against Boston College. But the, the real result, the real difference I saw was in the second half where Florida State seemed to make more adjustments against Boston College and pull away. And we saw Taj Boyd take until the fourth quarter really pull away. And if you look at how each team sort of coached that, how they made adjustments, what I like about it is, is Jameis Winston seems to make very, very good adjustments. So I think if he is struggling a little bit in the first half, I still 
told that Florida State can make those adjustments even in Death Valley. Now, I think if, if they they go in the Death Valley and score early, I think the crowd comes out of it in as much, and that's the one thing that Florida State hasn't done on the road in Death Valley is have a quarterback who can overcome uh, sort of that crowd at the very beginning. So, you know, Tarvin, who knows, man? Anything can happen. I'm not surprised if Clemson does win this game because, I mean, I picked it in the preseason, but right here, right now, I'm going to pick Florida State over Clemson. All right, and then just a quick update. Miami scored a touchdown to cut it to three. We're, what, ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. Trey, I think North Carolina needs another touchdown in this game to to put it away, really. Miami is looking like they're moving the ball all over the field, but they struggle with turnovers. I just don't see North Carolina being able to stop Miami. So what that means is North Carolina is going to have to start scoring points now in order to pull this big upset off. You can't go scoreless, really, in the fourth quarter and expect to beat a top-ten team. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that one, Tarvin. And, you know, we have – you're talking about the Miami game, you know, now three-point game, North Carolina, you know, Miami looked darn good on that drive. And you know why? So they ran the football. Yeah, and I have to admit, Miami is better than I thought they would be, honestly. I mean, I'm not saying they suck, but I don't think they're a top-ten team yet. Uh, I look at their schedule. They beat Florida in Miami, and that was – that's what they're hanging their hat on. Well – you know, if Missouri takes care of what they should this weekend, that really won't look as good either. But, man, I'm excited about this weekend of college football. This is this is where the, the shakeup starts happening. We saw it the last couple of weeks. This is where the shakeup happens in college football, these conference games. The, I mean, these undefeated teams, they're about to collide, Dre, and this is what is exciting. We still have LSU, Alabama later in the – Later in the season, we have Texas A&M, LSU. We have Oregon, Stanford, Oregon, UCLA, Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, Paul's real, real sold on Ohio State being 13 and 0 trade that they're going to make the championship game. I just don't see it. I mean, I see a one-loss Oregon team, a one-loss Alabama team, or whoever making it ahead of Ohio State this year. I think people in the polls. I mean, they keep dropping Ohio State, I think, in the points because of, of how bad their defense is and how bad their schedule is. Do you think a 13-0 Ohio State makes it? I think if, if there's anybody undefeated, I think then they're going to go over Ohio State absent Louisville. And I, I just think this is the year that Ohio State's going to have a huge gripe because I, just, I see them – I see this is the year where you might actually have four undefeated. And, you know, I just don't think that Ohio State, if there's any sort of debate, they're going to get left out because, you know, I, I think, you know, you're no, there's no way you pick them over in Oregon or over at Clemson who – uh, if they beat Florida State, they beat Georgia, they beat South Carolina, they're going to go way ahead of an Ohio State team. If you have Oregon, who's beaten Stanford and UCLA and gone to a Pac-12 championship and won, they're going to go and play that SEC team over Ohio State as well. So, yeah, I just don't think for Ohio State that, you know, this is going to be that, that year where they say, we, you know, we're griping because we won, and we all say, well, play somebody and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Michigan losing to Penn State, really hurt Ohio State, Trey. And I think yeah. every week you see Ohio State win, they're going to start dropping a little bit because of their schedule. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, they barely survived Northwestern, which Wisconsin beat by 30. And I, I just don't really see how they're going to make up ground in people's minds. And the coaches' poll, I know it's a part of it, but, man, the coaches don't even watch the freaking football games. They go by the name – and the coach, but I'm telling you, Ohio State, a 13-0 Ohio State team should not go 
over a one-loss A&M team, a one-loss LSU, Bama, Oregon, Florida State, Clemson, any of those. I'm telling you, they might. I mean, they could sneak it in there because of the bias in the polls, but I don't think the computers are going to be what leaves Ohio State out. At the end of the year, I mean, look, you heard it. I don't know if you heard this, Trey, but there's five or six SEC teams that they named would be favored big over Ohio State. And you know Oregon and Stanford and UCLA, all those would be favored, Florida State, Clemson. So I don't think anybody wants to see Ohio State in there because at the end of the day when those votes come in, they're going to leave Ohio State out because they don't want a snooze fest of a national championship game. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, if we get to a one-loss versus an undefeated Ohio State team, I don't know what's going to happen. But I, right now, I'm not predicting that, Tarvin. We're not, we're not there yet. I just think Ohio State. I just don't see them as a good enough team to get there. I think they're they're going to get beat by somebody who who easily sh- they should beat, or they're going to get left out. I just don't see them making a national championship game this year. I could be wrong, Paul. You could be right, buddy. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buy into your to your you're selling me stuff on that right now. I agree. Well, join us, and again, thanks for joining us on this uh, Thursday night. It's, it's a little off for us. Wednesday night's our normal night, but thanks for listening in, everybody, and hit the archives if you miss it live tonight. But we'll be back on Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, our regular day and time. And just an update real quick, Miami's got the ball with 10 minutes left, Trey, and North Carolina's hit a lull. They can't move the football, so or North Carolina can't move the football, but – Thanks, everyone, for calling in tonight and joining us in the chat room. We really appreciate your loyalty. And, Trey, look forward to seeing you Sunday night. And hopefully I can join you on this show and say, hey, Auburn pulled off the miracle in College Station. And Florida State pulled off a win in Clemson. Man, absolutely. That would be a great show. I think uh, we'll both be pretty happy on Sunday if that happens. Oh, I'll be very happy. We might do an eight-hour show Saturday, Sunday if we can. But uh, I appreciate everybody. And, Trey, have a great week. Everybody be safe, and we'll see you Sunday night.